Hey divers, it's Monica. Just wanted to let you know, I was planning on putting up a deep dive today, but I'm heading back to the Big Apple to check on the matron saint. She's doing well, but I just want to make positive she's back on her feet. Meanwhile, I put a great deep dives exclusive interview in the deep dives with Monica Perez feed yesterday. The OD, the original dive master, Ole Damagard. What a fantastic conversation we had with a great roundtable of some of your favorite podcasters. So awesome. So if you want to listen to that show, this show, and all previous episodes of Deep Dives, as well as other exclusive content, all commercial free, please subscribe to Deep Dives with Monica Perez today. Also, if you're anywhere near L.A., please join me this Sunday, July 24th in Burbank at the L.A. County 2022 Libertarian Convention. I will be the keynote speaker, and I would love to meet you there. And I'm going to also be sure to hang around after my talk and chat. So if you're there, make sure you shake my hand. Let me know that you showed up. I'm be really psyched to see you. It's from 1230 to 430 at 820 North Hollywood Way in Burbank. Tickets are $20 to $30 on Eventbrite. So you can check it out there. Hopefully, I'll see you there. And now, for even if you're not in L.A., you can enjoy today's show. It is a fascinating conversation with the most important activist I know doing the most important work anyone can do to help preserve our liberty and kick the can of tyranny. I'm talking about Brian Festa of WeAreThePatriotsUSA.org. Here today, joining us is Brian Festa of WeThePatriotsUSA.org. We've talked to him before. He's doing what I consider to be the most important work today to fight the powers that be and to restore our liberties. I'm Monica Perez. Strap on your tanks, because we're going deep with a dive master. Hi, Brian. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Hi, Monica. It's great to be back. Thank you. I, the reason I say that I think that you're doing the most important work that anyone can do today is, paradoxically, even though I am, I, I've gone from hardcore libertarian to anarcho-capitalist to agorist and who knows what's next, I've always felt that the process is the only way that we can even tread water with our rights in what I consider to be a really oppressive system. But I feel like our forebears cut a deal. We're subject to the deal. We got the Bill of Rights. We've got process. We must use it. And you're using it. Tell us about what you're doing. Thanks again. Yeah, the the one way that I think process still works right now is through the courts. Unfortunately, the other two branches of government, as we can clearly see right now, are not working. They're broken. And the one that is working, at least sometimes, uh, is the courts. And what do I mean when I say sometimes? Well, I mean when we have victories, right? Um, when we uh, file lawsuits in defense of constitutional uh, rights, individual liberties, really our God-given inalienable rights, and when we have victories. And so we are seeing that. There are still a lot of good judges and justices on the courts. I still believe in the judicial system. If I didn't, I'd turn in my law license. So there is still hope there. As we've seen from the recent Supreme Court decisions, we saw just last month, we had uh, several great decisions, including a, a, a 
a decision in defense of the Second Amendment uh, with the New York, I'm sure you're familiar with that, but the New York gun permit case where they were trying to say that you had to show cause. You had to basically prove yourself to get a permit. And it was in the hands and the discretion of some bureaucrat at an, at an agency to decide whether you had proper cause to get a gun. No, that's not, or, or to have, or to bear arms, I should say. That's not the way it works. That's not the way the founders set it up. There's nothing about that, that was, in the Second Amendment. That was a great decision, I thought. That was Clarence Thomas wrote that one. Yes. I, and then we had another beautiful decision, of course, overturning Roe v. Wade, uh, restoring it to the states. With If you read the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, if you know anything about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Ninth and Tenth Amendments say that any powers not exclusively granted to Congress are reserved to the people, to the states and to the people. Okay, And, and, yes. and so those decisions, Planned Parenthood v. Casey and, of course, Roe v. Wade before that, did not respect uh, those amendments. And, and, and it's not a question of what your opinion is on the policy, because I went to law school, too, and there were many Supreme Court decisions that the teacher would just just blithely say, oh, it was a policy decision. It's not their job to make policy. I actually don't even think that it should be their job to decide on whether something's constitutional or not. But Roe versus Wade, like murder and drugs and everything else is health. All that stuff has been adjudicated to be in the police powers, I think they call it, in the mm -hmm. Tenth Amendment. It's absolutely reserved to the states. There's no question about it. So regardless of your position on the policy, it was bad law, and they corrected that. I'm not I'm not, I'm not 100% sure the decision was um, like written the way that you, know, you might write it if you were a textual purist or an originalist purist or whatever, but it was, these are some good decisions coming down, but it just shows you how long and how serious it is to have bad precedents because it's not so much, this is what I love about what you do. It's not so much that the law is bad and you can change it. Look at how much, once it's a precedent, it is so, so, so much harder to change than to actually get the good case in there in the first place. And that's why you really impressed upon me the last time we talked that this, the picking the, the get, being the first one to the, the courts and the higher courts and everything with the case and really adjudicating it to the best of your ability is critical, not only because you want your side to win and you could win because you're good at it, but there might be somebody who's not good at, who doesn't even want to win, who's taking those cases and kind of giving it up to the other side. So you don't want controlled opposition in there to get your precedent set. Right, exactly. There's a such thing as bad precedent too, right? Not all precedent's good. And we have to get the good precedent established before they get the bad precedent in there. So we saw that with that uh, Dobbs decision. And then, um, you know, we saw also the religious liberty decision. Uh, Bremerton High, uh, High School, the um, uh, Bremerton, Washington, the state of Washington, we had that high school football coach and uh, he was uh, ultimately terminated from his position simply for praying on the sidelines three times, actually, after games. And, and the important thing with that is I had some conservatives come out, even con so-called conservatives, right, and say, well, you know, that's not a good decision because now the state uh, is endorsing somehow prayer or something. No, they're not. If you read the facts of the case and if you understand anything about constitutional law, what they were, what the court said is that you can't have two standards, that secular activity celebrating a, a football game after um, a win, let's say partying on the sidelines, doing some kind of dance or something on the sidelines, that secular activity is okay, but religious activity is forbidden. That is the distinction. You can't favor, if they understood anything about the Establishment Clause, 
they would and and the free exercise clause they would understand that you cannot favor secular activity over religious activity. It would be different if the school district had said, okay, you know what? There's no post-game celebrations at all. You can't party. You can't dance. You can't sing. You can't pray. You can't do anything. That would be okay. They wouldn't have been in hot water. That would have been perfectly kosher under the Constitution. But the second you start bringing in, oh, no, 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 no. You kneeling and praying, that's bad. But you guys dancing over there to some hip-hop tune, that's okay. So here's the only thing I had with that is that for me, it seems, and I understand the, I'd love, we don't have to do this today. I'm actually going to do a show on this at some point in the near future about the 14th Amendment. But it, what it does is it's bringing the First Amendment to the state level, which is kind of the opposite of the 10th Amendment thing. And that's what I didn't like about it, because I really don't like that, that the federal government can tell um, a municipal building that they can't put a nativity scene out on Christmas because the First Amendment applies to them. Because the First Amendment, in my opinion, doesn't apply to them. It restrains federal government. But the way they read the 14th Amendment, they say that that incorporated the all the Bill of Rights. doctrine. I don't, well, we want, I don't Monica, know if we I want that. Incorpor- don't start, don't start uh, crapping on the you uh, like incorpor- incorporation doctrine. I'll tell you why. That's how we're going to win the religious exemption in schools case for vaccination. Okay. okay? is because we're going to say that Absolutely, uh, schools are bound are bound uh, by the First Amendment free exercise clause. They cannot discriminate against school children who want to opt out of shots in the school based on their religious liberty because of the First Amendment and the 14th yes. Amendment. Jacobson versus Massachusetts, a decision that you know well from 1905, was a decision that was decided prior to the incorporation doctrine of the 1940s. And so at that time, they didn't believe, as you just said, the court agreed with you at that time that the First Amendment did not apply to the states. Yeah. And so that's how they could get away with that, even though that wasn't a religious liberty case. But the but the problem is all of these modern so-called scholars who try to hold up Jacobson, they leave out conveniently from the legal analysis, the incorporation doctrine, which has like I said, been established law, case law, case precedent. There's that precedent again since the 1940s. You're talking like 70 some odd years. Yeah, I have to say <laughs> I did I did go in and look at the 14th Amendment and how it was written. I, I'm more of a textualist than anything else. And I have to say, I could not argue against the incorporation doctrine. I have to say, I wanted to. I looked at it and I was like, there's no way that was part of it. Now we can talk separately about if the 14th Amendment were was ratified correctly. However, if they if they tried to ratify it today, it would definitely get ratified. So there's no question in my mind that the 14th Amendment, whether it was legit at the time, is de facto legit. We've just accepted it. And I, I so so I I I I appreciate if I'm absolutely at a watershed on which way it goes, I could not prove my own point that it is not incorporated. And uh, I'm happy that that helps you. <laughs> yeah, helps that's, I, I mean, that's a big part of, I'm not, I'm not giving away legal strategy. We've talked about this openly yeah, yeah. in interviews, but that is going to be a, cr- a critical piece of our legal argument there um, for those school uh, exemption cases. And, and we well have one, we have one that we filed two actually, both a federal and a state case in the state of Connecticut against the state of Connecticut for repealing the religious exemption to mandatory school vaccinations. I'm sure you're aware that it was repealed in Connecticut just as it was in 2019 in New York. It was repealed in 2021 in Connecticut. It was repealed in 2020 in Maine. It was repealed in 2015 in California. Our federal case, which we believe is the case that's going to win and change everything in the country when it gets to the Supreme Court, 
is if we are victorious, will restore religious exemptions to school vaccinations in every state in the country, not just Connecticut. It'll restore it in New York, Maine, wow. California, and it will even allow them in states where they were never allowed, such as Mississippi and West Virginia. Those are the two states, believe it or not, that never have allowed a religious exemption wow. to school vaccination. I am surprised. They, they will now be forced to grant religious exemptions in this those is- states. Your case that you're doing now, that's yeah. like your flagship case. Can yes. you tell us and a little I bit am, more about that? I do that? have an appearance in this case, so I can actually say it's 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 partially my case. It's not yeah. just a case from our attorneys that we contract with. This is so near and dear to my heart. This is what got me involved in medical wow. freedom, religious freedom movement, uh, that yes, I have an appearance uh, personally as an attorney in that case, uh, the federal case, uh, which is uh, We the Patriots USA at all versus the state of Connecticut. We have um, some parent plaintiffs as well, but our organization, along with my um, prior organization, Connecticut Freedom Alliance, filed both a federal and a state lawsuit uh, against the state of Connecticut for repealing that. And this is why this is so important. Let me just talk for a moment about the importance of all of your listeners coming together to help because it's not just people like me or people that are you know, so-called on the front lines, as we like to say, but it's also everybody in the background, all of our supporters that makes this possible. Because as you know, it's no secret that this takes money, right? Filing all these lawsuits is not cheap. Each lawsuit we're talking in general, most lawsuits that we file are fifty to $100,000, all right? And How many would they, you say you have? Do you know off the top of your head? <laughs> the number keeps changing by the day because we keep agreeing to take on more. But Is it double right, digits or single digits? Right now, I can tell you we have lawsuits in either pending or filed in, in uh, Massachusetts, New York, Connecticut, Florida, uh, New Mexico, Michigan, Minnesota, uh, Missouri, Nebraska. Those are off the top of okay, my head. Okay, so you have a manageable amount that costs a lot of money so you can do it if you can pay for those suits and they're up to right, $100,000 right, each but, which but, sounds a little light to me but actually. we need a, we need a lot more um, i had a lawsuit once that was 50 grand just like to show up right and and cuz because we have very good attorneys that work with us they give us flat rates um so we have a great working relationship with them and so we're able to get for the flat rate of 50,000 that covers everything, all appeals, no matter how long the case goes on. If it goes on five years, that's covered. So it's not a lot of money. But we understand that in these tough economic times, that is a lot of money to raise because people just aren't giving. But what I want to say is something very important here um, is the importance of realizing that we cannot let them win by crushing us economically because these tyrants, these globalists who have put all of the wheels in motion for this orchestrated economic design part of their plan was to crush us so brutally financially so that we could not fight back. And folks, it's working. It's absolutely working, even among very, very strong, liberty-minded, constitutionalist patriots among you. Many of you have decided that, well, you know, if I can barely fill my gas tank or put food on the table, the last thing I'm doing is giving to charity, even if it's something I really believe in. And listen, I get that. I totally get that. But the bottom line is you're playing right into their hands because (laughs) that is what they expected would happen. They said, let's make things so unbelievably expensive. They can't possibly fight back against us. They're not going to be able to donate anymore. Organizations like We the Patriots will fail. We the Patriots USA will fail. And all these other great organizations that are out there, we're not the only ones, okay? 
Uh, but there's a lot of great organizations, not as many as there should be, but there are still other organizations so, also. Are you getting rich doing this? No. Um, <laughs> because if you're doing it for to line your own pockets, I cannot vouch for it. But from what I understand, you're doing this. It's a you're motivated by your own experience and people are actually working no. their fingers to the bone. If I were working point. in private practice as an attorney, I'd be making at least three times, maybe four times as much as I'm making doing this. OK, um, that's the reality of, of, yeah. of this is that this is not. Attorneys don't go to work for nonprofits to become rich. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a not. It is actually technically a nonprofit, right? It is. Like it's you a five hundred one c three. So in most cases, your gift would be tax deductible. When wouldn't say, it be? How can well, be I always sure? say check with your tax preparer because Got there it. are certain people Got at it. very high income oh, oh, levels yeah, 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 yeah. who can't yeah. deduct, and so yeah. I'm not allowed per the IRS rules. Right. I can't go out and say everything's tax deductible. Right. I'm it's not a five hundred one c three though. It's a 501c3, and most people would be right. able to deduct it on their taxes, okay? That's, That's right. And I also, think. can people see the filings of that if they want to look at how much you um like how the numbers shake out? Don't you have to Absolutely. have certain So that's going to be published. Um, our first year. Uh, we had almost nothing in donations. The very first year was 2020. We had almost zero. I think we had like a total of five hundred dollars in donations. Honestly, you were so, born on the 4th of July in 2020. Yeah, we were July 4th, 2020. <laughs> so that year we filed what's called a 990N, which is a simple form. If you have less than $50,000, you don't have to report because we had like right. nothing to report. So we yeah. did a 990N the first year. The second year, the 2021 return, we did file an extension because we had to bring on an accountant. We had a great year in 2021. And so that's going to be filed in November. But yes, but it's not tracking, have, right? 2022 that, is not tracking to 2021. 2022 right? is way behind 2021, unfortunately, okay. because of the economic downturn. So people gave a lot very generously in 2021, and they pulled way back in 2022 to the point where we wanted to have twice as many lawsuits this year as we had last year. That was kind of the goal. But we're, we're not. We're not even going to – I don't even know if we're going to match as many new lawsuits in 2022 as right. we did last year. Never mind double it. Um, so, And that's because, again, people just aren't giving. And I don't – the only thing I can think of, obviously, is inflation, is, is the rise in gas prices, food prices, cost of living, the housing prices, everything has gone through the roof and people just can't afford it. So, And a fear of recession, markets pulling back. I mean, yeah, definitely. I've already started thinking of like – you know, you've got to switch your your spending habits from generating revenue to conserving resources. But I I will say this for me, I've kind of, I've changed my what I'm doing myself. I, I used to was had a daily show, and now I'm doing something called deep dives with Monica Perez. And uh, I used to have a Patreon, and I don't I, I don't want to put anything behind a firewall anymore. I'm not generating that amount of content anymore. But uh, that also, I'm not collecting that. So if people, I get a lot of emails of people wanting to know how to support me. And I, I would say just for right now, while I'm not asking, or I don't have premium content, I would love it if people who maybe used to contribute to me on Patreon would contribute to you. And I'm going to do the same. Like, So I want you to tell me, and I would like listeners also, like right after we're finished here, I'm going to go do whatever you tell me to do, which would help you the most. So I don't know if it's a subscription, if it's um, we are the page, just a one time donation or if they're how to how, what is the best way to support you? And I'm going to do that as soon as we're finished. 
Well, monthly donations are always most appreciated because we need, in order to budget for these lawsuits, obviously we need a predictable stream of income, right? If we don't know what's coming in from one month to the next, it's very, very difficult to plan and budget and say, okay, we can afford this lawsuit. We can afford that lawsuit. If it's just random donations, listen, we love when a random check for $5,000 comes <laughs> in. It happens, doesn't happen often enough, but we love that. But the problem is we didn't know that was coming. Somebody didn't sign up and tell us they were right. going to be giving us that. So because of that, we weren't able to plan. We might have had to turn someone away. And this happens, Monica. This is important. People come to us and I have to – sometimes they're really desperate. Like they need a transplant or something. We don't have enough money in our coffers. We have to say, listen, we could try to fundraise for you. But right now we really can't take on the lawsuit. If I knew I was getting a check or a couple checks that were going to total 25000 30000 which once in a while we'll have a really great month like that when these checks just come in out of nowhere. If I knew I was getting that, I wouldn't have had to turn that person away. But because these weren't committed monthly donors and they just came just randomly, they might only donate one. It's a great check, but they might give once and then not give for another year or two. I can't rely on that. Yet when people sign up for a monthly subscription, even if it's only $10 a month, if I have a thousand people giving $10 a month, that's a lot. That's $10,000, right? So two things I want to say about that. One is, so you not only try to get behind the really important cases, the precedent setting cases and a variety of rights issues. And I'm hoping that we can touch on specifics yeah. uh, in a little bit, but you also will take on the desperate person who really needs fast action and has nowhere else to turn. Is that yes. Correct. Yes. Well, that is precedent setting as well, though, especially with those transplant cases. We feel that if we get enough victories on hot in hospitals across the country, that's going to send shockwaves because some of these are really well-known big hospitals. And if we win victories against them, that's going to have a domino effect. So I do see those as precedent setting, even if they're only filed in state court. Let me just say this. One thing I don't want to forget when I was talking about the economic downturn please go and check out our blog on our brand new website. We just unveiled it on our two-year anniversary on July 4th of this year. We have a brand new revamped website. Go to the blog section and read Devastation by Design. That's a blog that I wrote a few weeks ago, and it specifically addresses the issue we were just talking about, about how this is an orchestrated, planned economic downturn. And they're doing it not only because they want to more easily control the people and make the people dependent on the government, which I do believe is part of it, but also because they don't want us to have the ability to fight back. Well, that's what the progressive tax rate is all about, in my opinion. So mm -hmm. people can't go all Ron Paul when they get a million dollars in the exactly. bank. Like, I'm going to Washington. I'm a smart, educated person. I have money in the bank. I'm going to go. They're like, oh, no, you don't. We're going to make sure that you never have a penny to spare. You work like a dog until you're too old to work anymore. And then you probably have to give the rest to your kids because they're going to be impoverished. But yes, this is a tried and true. I think it goes back to like the Marxist style. You're but right. We the Patriots USA.org. We the Patriots USA.org. You can find it all there. You can find the donate links for both. We make it very simple, one time, monthly. You just click whichever one you want. Very easy to use. And we would appreciate that. But this is, get, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we can get back to talking about some of the specific. Yeah, I want to say one now. thing about donating, though. And this is what my new thing is. And this is what I'm going to do for you. I. I feel like I I put a lot of hours into what I'm doing and I do it because I really care. I feel like I have, I always think of it this way. I have a, a, a duty to my forebears, like my father fought in World War II. Like whenever you think about the wars and the reasons for the wars, he went because he felt like that was, you know, he was a patriot. For for better or worse, he and that and he instilled in me a love of the freedoms of this country and the opportunities and liberty and justice for all. So I feel like I have a duty to them to to carry on 
maybe just educating people in that regard. And I have an obligation to my children to do what I can to kind of kick the can or stem the tide, whatever metaphor you want to use to try to um, carry that down, bridge the gap between my, my parents and my children. And what I'm, what I do specifically, it seems, you know, sometimes it feels like it isn't really moving, you know, doing that, moving the ball, whatever, I can't use yet another metaphor, but sometimes I feel like that. And I always say, look, somebody's going to take action. Somebody is going to be the guy who does the thing. And I'm going to be there to help you meet that guy, to help you be educated so you know how to recognize, how to discern what needs to be done and who's doing it. And so I feel like by, I try to bring information and um, principles and uh, entertainment even. And here is a rare opportunity for me, I think, to connect people. I never, ever, I can't remember, probably the last time I did anything fundraising was with you, for you, <laughs> when last time you were on. I just don't usually do that kind of thing. But this, I feel, is an opportunity. And the way I like to think about it is how many hours I have spent uncompensated uh, just even trying to talk a friend into understanding like, you know, a principle that's important about gun rights or even water rights and stuff. And mm -hmm. I feel like, uh, so I always like to think is what was that one hour of my time worth? And that's what I consider to be kind of, I'll give that hour, whatever that dollar value is in a subscription to a few people who I think are valuable, whether it's, you know, my church or you or another podcaster. So I like to think about it, whatever one hour of your time is worth, make that your monthly subscription. And Brian will make sure that hours get filled doing that work that we can't do, but maybe we can pay for a little bit. That's a great way to think of it. I never thought of it that way, but that is a great explanation um, because it's true. If you think of it as like, how much would I get paid if I worked one hour a month for this and just donate that pay? Um, and, and if somebody and if lived near you, they would pop up and you said, I need one hour of your time on Saturday morning. And people, I mean, probably you'd probably get a thousand people come over and do it. But, you know, that's not what this is. This is like, hey, I've just got to, I've got to work at what I'm working at. And then maybe you can throw it, no, throw great. an hour towards me. That's a great so, analogy. And I, and I, I, I hope that people do because we have so many more lawsuits. We, I'm going to talk about what we do currently have going on and lawsuits that we have filed or about to be filed. Um, but we have so many more people that are reaching out to us. And unfortunately, I have to turn them away because... Um, you know, the funds just aren't there. And I didn't get into this business to turn people away. I got into the business to help them. So let me talk to you, if you don't mind, about how we are helping people. That would right? be great. And, and, if, and, if, and by the way, if anybody's wary and, and wants to, you know, doesn't know about us yet and wants to check out our work, it is all available on our website. You can actually, there are stories with links to the actual court filings that you can see that we filed. We put our money where our mouth is. We also have a commercial. If you go to our Rumble channel, a commercial that we made, we took a clip of Steve Dace on The Blaze. He actually is a friend of mine, and he just unsolicited. We didn't pay him. We didn't tell him to do this. At, after I was on his show about a month ago, month and a half ago, he just went uh, on his own monologue endorsing us and saying why people should give to We the Patriots USA. Oh, so great. so if you want to hear that, he's a very well-respected voice. I, I can on, put that in a he's link. He's on The Blaze. Yeah, it's on. It's on. If you go to, if you just search, just do a quick internet search of Rumble We the Patriots yeah. USA. It'll bring I saw, up our, I, yeah, I saw that you were on his show. Yeah, it, it'll bring – I've been on his show many times, actually. It'll, But this was the most recent time in okay. June. I was on his show in June, and he 
just gave such a ringing endorsement. He talked about how there's so many big, much larger national organizations that say they're going to do everything, but really all they do is talk. They take your money and maybe they'll have some event once a year and that's what your money goes to. He said, these guys, meaning we the Patriots USA, are actually taking scalps. They're actually doing it. They're on the front lines and I can vouch for it personally. He says his family has personally donated money on a number of occasions to our organization. It's just, it's a great endorsement and again, we didn't even ask him. That's the best part. I didn't ask him, Steve, could you please say, he just did it on his own. I'll I'll include that, and I'd like to hear about what you're working on, but also maybe if you can tell us about what are two of your more recent successes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I want to start with our most recent victory that I'm very, very excited about. Uh, this young lady, <gasps> Alyssa Campo, who needed a kidney transplant. Yes, she was turning Seven. 18. She just turned 18 on Friday. Yes. Happy 18th birthday, Alyssa. Um, and she lives in Grand Rapids with her mom, Jenna, who I went on several interviews with. We were trying to get her a kidney transplant. But the actually, the, the larger issue to begin with, the threshold issue, not the larger issue, but the threshold issue to begin with was that they were denying her the medical evaluations necessary to get on the transplant list. Because obviously, first, before you can get a transplant, you need to get on the list. But before you can even get on the list, you have to get the medical evaluations. But a condition of that was the COVID shot and the flu shot, by the way, among other things. They said, we are not going to even let you have the evaluations until you get the shot. We filed the federal lawsuit. We had a press conference. We filed the lawsuit in Grand Rapids. And very soon after, it was like a switch went off, she said. Jenna said their demeanor changed towards us. All of a sudden, they're calling us up to schedule appointments to get no her the evaluation. No way. They completely changed course. They completely changed course and backed down. And Jenna is a very, the mother, is a very, very, very strong person of faith, a very religious person. She prayed on it with Alyssa and with her husband. And they decided that at this time, since now the gates have opened for them to, to be able to get what they need to send them on a path for the transplant, they wanted to withdraw the lawsuit at that point. So unfortunately, we didn't get a precedent out of this one. Oh, yeah. But we got her the medical Please. help she needs. And and it more importantly is she has options now beyond just Spectrum Health, Helen DeVos Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids. People reached out from across the country offering their kidneys. We had doctors reach out who are, are willing to perform the surgery at other facilities without getting the shot. So that's the other reason that she decided wow. to withdraw at this point is because now her daughter is getting what she needs. But we are hailing this as a huge victory. Because Absolutely. If, because if we had not pursued this lawsuit, if we had not filed it, if we had not advertised it, number right. one, we w- they wouldn't have gotten those medical evaluations, I'm convinced. And number two, those people wouldn't have reached out to us from around the country. And we've also had several other transplant patients in need of transplants. And that's another case that we have pending. We have a fundraiser for it, givesendgo.com forward slash Brandy, B-R-A-N-D-I. It is, um, this is a woman who lives in Peoria, Illinois, and she needs a, uh, a transplant very, very desperately. She has severe advanced renal disease, and we are fighting for her as well because OSF St. Francis Medical Center in Peoria just like Spectrum Health, Helen DeVos Children's Hospital, has denied this woman the ability to get on the um, the transplant list. They they actually did put her on the list, but then but then once she refused a the shot, they took her off the list. And and so now we're fighting for her to get back on the list. So um, that's another one you can donate to as as well. 
I'm a huge fan of, I understand you didn't get the precedent, but I am such a huge fan of going through, that's why I love the process. I know it seems paradoxical because I hate government, but I love the process because once you stand up to them on those terms, there are rules, there are nuances that when they back down, you realize that they're just bullies. They they stand on this, uh, they act like they're standing on the Constitution and holding a Bible and that they've got this higher ground. But when, when push comes to shove, that happened out here, we had mask mandates and the libertarians, uh, the LA County libertarians were going to... Um, put it on the ballot and they withdrew the mask mandate. And I think it's because they, uh, that they, they didn't want a vote. They didn't want to see Absolutely. what the outcome would really be. And for me, you could do 10 times, you know, really on an individual basis, you could do 10 times the amount of good plus the ripple effect of if you just stood up to them every time they tried to do that. And if they back down, that's great. Move on to the next one. But I'm a right. huge fan of getting them to back down because plus word spreads. Oh, it'll never stand up. You know, they know. Well, well you know what? Effect. That's that's and, and you know what? In, in my opinion, that's precedent at the very least at that hospital, that children's hospital. Now yes. they know that we're watching. Named and, after and DeVos. And, right. That's probably and, the DeVos. It's, 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 it's Helen DeVos, the DeVos family. Yes, very, very uh, prominent, uh, wealthy family, yeah. powerful family in Western Michigan. And you know what? The bottom line is they know that we're watching. They know if they do yes. this again to another patient and they reach yes. out to us, we're going to file another lawsuit. We'll just keep doing yes. this. And they don't want to have to deal with that. So I, I very clearly think that it had an effect here. I mean, what else could it be? Why would I was afraid to ask because I was so worried for that girl. She's a Ukrainian. She was adopted. She was adopted from Ukraine. Correct. Last summer. So 2021, she was adopted. She uh, gained citizenship just about a month ago. She was sworn in as a United States citizen. She did it the right way through the adoption process, through the, (laughs) she filled out the proper legal paperwork. She didn't just you know, stay. And here these people illegally. were probably trying to save her life, right? They were. They were. They saw how sick she was in the uh, you know facility she was in in in, in Ukraine, and um, they had already adopted another child from the same facility several years prior. So they have two adopted children from Ukraine, and they first met her, I think, in 2012 when she was much younger. But the process to adopt is so long wow. that they didn't finally get approved until 2019, and then. Finally, we're able Just to bring in her the home nick of time. in twenty twenty one. Huge so victory. She's getting the medical help she needs now, though. The family is very confident that they're going to be able to keep her alive and healthy. So she has a future now because there's doors that have opened to her that weren't open before because of this lawsuit. But most of all, most of all, Monica, because of Almighty God, uh, I, I want to say, you know, we are not a Christian or a religious organization per se. But Don, my business partner, and I are both strong people of faith. We do happen to be Christians, and we believe strongly in the power of Almighty God is working working through all of this. So I always want to give credit to God. Um, yes, we love our donors. Yes, we work hard every day as patriots. But ultimately, without him, nothing is possible. And there's no point anyway. So <laughs> right. exactly. it exactly. gives it all so much meaning. So I struggle with faith. I'm practicing Catholic, but I definitely see that it's that that is our hope is to see. Well, that I'll talk to you off are. air. I'm Catholic. <laughs> I'm Catholic as well. All right. So I, I mean, talk. I go to church. I'm practicing Catholic. Like listen, you don't have but to. But I'll talk to you. But but listen, we lesson. can talk. Listen, I I have a great. I found a great. You know, traditional community. There are traditional yes. Catholic communities yes. that still do believe in the teachings of the church yes. and also 
still respect individual rights and that didn't shut down and with the I know we have one like of those this. too. He's a Cuban yeah. guy and he reinvigorated the cathedral in our town. Um it just it's amazing. Like all of a sudden, as soon as he was like, I'm not shutting down, we're not having mass outside. You don't have to wear a mask if you don't want to. That now that awesome. the church is just packed all the time and and he it's just wonderful. Yeah, no, I just have a I just it's hard for me to imagine um knowing my own name when my brain is in a coffin, but that's just because I'm a little too by the numbers, but I, I live it and I am inspired. Like there are things I just can't, like I can't not go to mass and communion. Like there's something just very compelling about that to me. I rarely go to mass without like, you know, getting overwhelmed with the spirit. So maybe I have some of that little uh, charismatic in me. I don't know. But no, it's just it's just me and the intellect. I absolutely agree with you 100% that, um, you know, uh, praise God in all things. Yes, ab- absolutely. And listen, we're, like I said, we don't endorse any one specific religion or any one specific political party. As we say, we're a nonprofit, we're nonpartisan. However, we do happen to be strong people of faith. My uh, business partner, Dawn, is a very strong Christian woman. She's not Catholic. Uh, I won't hold that against her. <laughs> Don't hold it against me either for those of you who are not Catholic. No, no, no. Nobody listening is, to me still believe, holds still that believe against God. We believe in, in, in that, that all things are working together uh, through him who, for good. Um, and, and so we have a lot of other lawsuits, though, that are still ongoing that I want to talk about as well, if you don't mind. Um, we have an... an we have the Bill Salyer lawsuit. Uh, Bill Salyer was a retired U.S. Marine who was denied. He and his wife were denied ivermectin at Walmart and Hy-Vee supermarkets. They were very, very sick with COVID back in 2021. What nerve! They Molly James, the wonderful Molly James, Doctor Molly James, prescribed ivermectin for both Bill and his wife. They went into Walmart. The pharmacist said, "Absolutely not. I'm not filling this." And then. The doctor, Molly James, actually called the pharmacist. They got her on the phone saying, listen, I filled this for him. I mean, I mean, excuse me. I prescribed this for him. Fill it. You know, I'm the doctor. I say he needs this. Fill it. Pharmacist hung up on her. Wow. Hung up on her. This is the gall they have, the That's nerve they have. That's top down. That's that, top right. down. And Hy-Vee supermarkets also denied it. They went to Hy-Vee and tried to get, get it there. They were shut down there as well. So they both live in Minnesota. But Bill's a tough old Marine, grew up on a farm in Iowa. So he's a farmer. He's a veteran. And he said, no, I am not taking this line down. I'm going to fight. I'm going to sue those SOBs. So uh, he went. He called up his friend, Steve Dace, who's a friend of ours as well. And Steve referred him to us. We got in touch. And through through Steve's very generous listeners, we were able to fully fund that lawsuit. And now it's, it's, it, we've already had a hearing on it. It's, it's filed in federal court in Minnesota and it's ongoing. So we will keep you posted about that. Um, and, and so those that's guys the, both survived, thank God. Right. Did they, they ever get their survived, luck? Well, you know what he had to do? He had to resort take to taking the horse paste. Oh now, my God. We, we've got an American hero here. Okay. This guy was, you know, he, he, he was, um, he fought in, in Somalia. This guy also um, was stationed at Camp David. Uh, this guy's an American hero. This is a top-class Marine, okay? And he's a great guy, great patriot, and he had a resort. We had him, you know, this is how we treat our veterans. We had a resort. Heroes to zeros. Resort like to that. taking horse pace. And he yeah. said, as he's mixing it in with the peanut butter or whatever he did, he had this memory come to his mind of growing up in the farm in Iowa and how they used to give it to the horses. They used to put it on the horses you know, mouths and stuff. And he's like, 
and, and here I am yeah. now having to eat it myself. And, and the reality of that just really hit him and it really yeah. angered him. He, within, within, within just about 48 hours though, they started showing immediate improvement and they recovered really? very quickly after taking that horse base. Don't you so worry about that. It did work because they were very, very sick. And, you know, just, you can check out, we have all the filings and all of the stories and updates about Bill Salyer's case on our website again. So you can see what's going on with that. But we think that's going to be a very precedent, uh, precedent setting case as well, because we need precedent set on the books that says, they cannot, a pharmacist does not have the right to deny you medication that your doctor has prescribed simply because they don't agree with it from a political standpoint. There's absolutely zero scientific evidence, medical evidence to show that ivermectin, the off-label use of ivermectin for COVID is somehow dangerous for human consumption. There's zero scientific studies. In fact, it's shown to be much safer in studies um, than things like Tylenol even. If you look at ivermectin, um, and it's yeah. history. I mean, it, this, this thing won a Nobel Prize as part of a treatment protocol for malaria back in 2015. So um, it's so the malaria. Don't tell, me, don't tell me that it's dangerous. That's a right. load of bull. It's totally political because he saw Bill as one of those anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, and said, I'm not going to fill this because that's, you know, something that, you know, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin that, you know, Trump was a proponent of, for instance. So they're going to say, no. You are, we're not going, by the way, Trump was a proponent of the shot too, but they, they, of don't, course, they, don't, warp they don't, they don't seem to remember warp speed, but yeah. Good but, for but, you, Brian. But the, but the point is we need to stand up for individuals, especially veterans, service members, people who put their lives on the line for this country, like Sergeant Jesus Cano in New Mexico, yes. which is What's another case that we are, are trying to fund right now. We haven't filed it yet because it's not funded. We need $75,000 for his case because it's a military case. Very, very sad. This guy, you want to talk about an American This is hero? a really important case. If we, How much money do you need for that? 75000 and we've only got about seventeen and change. Uh, so this guy, we have a fundraiser right on our website. You'll see it if you go to wegapatriotsusa.org. I'm going to do my, substance, my subscription for uh, what an hour of my work a month, but I'm going to do a little lump sum for that particular case. Can I do that at yes. WeThePatriotsUSA.org? Can I like sign Absolutely. up for the thing and then just do a one lump sum? Can I allocate Absolutely. it to a particular case? You can do case? as many one times and monthlies as you, you know like. I mean? can, I, can I do it to a particular <laughs> case or is it just yeah. going in the collection box? No, 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 no. So if you, if you go to the website, you'll see there's a specific flyer up there on the homepage for Sergeant Cano. And that How do you brings spell that? C-A-N-O, Sergeant Jesus Cano. Got it. You go right to the website, and that brings you to a specific donation page. And on the credit card donation form, if you're doing it by credit card, you can send checks yeah. too and write it on the memo, Sergeant Cano. But on the credit card form, there's a place to put comments, and you can put for Sergeant Cano right and on there. And you will allocate it to that Yes. Firm. I mean, as soon as we get the money, listen, whether we get it specifically for Sergeant Cano or whether we get it through our general donation funds, as soon as we have enough money that yeah. we can pay for his case, we will fund it. Um, as long as we can fund his case and fund the other cases. What if you have. don't get enough money and and you've well, got twenty no, thousand in keep, that? Well, listen, we're going to keep that open as long as we have to. Um, you know what I mean? It's been going on for several months now. I'll keep it open another year if I have to to try this, to get his money. And this seems like a case that applies to many, many, many people. What? Yeah. Can you let, give us the let me talk about Sergeant Cano. So you want to talk about an American hero? He, this guy, had three combat deployments. 
plus a mo- he went to Afghanistan. He fought in Afghanistan. He's in the U.S. Army. Plus, he had a mobilization to Fort Lee. He had the GI benefits uh, that that were offered to him, the uh, the GI Bill, and he was able to train. I believe it was the 9/11 GI Bill. He was able to transfer that to his children so they could attend school. He gave them the benefits. Now, after 21 years of service, they say they're going to discharge him, not honorably, by the way, and they're going to take away his GI benefits and make him pay it back simply because he refused the COVID shot. Just for refusing the COVID shot, they're going to punish him in the worst way possible, uh, throwing him out, taking away his benefits. This is a guy, again, who put his life on the line repeatedly in combat. Was not this wasn't not nothing against stateside, okay, or not nothing against peacetime, nothing against peacetime soldiers because we need those too for our defense. But this guy went right into the fire, okay. And a lot of the guys who signed up after 9 11, I mean, they really believed in that cause. I mean, I didn't know the truth about 9 11. Oh, none of us for more than 10 years. And we probably don't know the full truth now, but like it was more than 10 years. I remember I was still, I was almost totally red pilled. And I was like, well, I don't think 9-11 was an inside job. And then in 2013, I was like, oh my gosh, you know? So a lot of those guys, I mean, it took me 10 years and I'm pretty, you know, open to that kind of thinking. Um, So I, I think a lot of my listeners rightly are skeptical about that kind of activity. But I think that the guys who signed up and 9-11 and even forever after, I mean, the guys who sign up generally are signing up out of love of country or sometimes out of desperation. And they need that opportunity. They, they are enticed by those GI bills and stuff like that. And to take it away. And, and they're like, I'm an honorable person. There's absolutely no way I'm getting a dishonorable discharge. I'm not, you know, there's no risk to me to sign up based on Again. these promises yes sergeant cano is an immigrant as well a legal immigrant okay he is a legal not illegal a <laughs> a i gotta say that carefully he is a legal immigrant yeah. from mexico when he was four years old i believe his parents brought him here from mexico he now has lived in new mexico i think most of his life and again he wanted to give back to his country because he so loved this country that allowed him to become a citizen uh allowed him to live this life of freedom, he wanted to give back his life and he put his life on the line multiple times over for, for over two decades uh, for this country. So this is someone we should be celebrating and supporting, um, not someone we should be punishing. The United States Army, the Department of Defense should be ashamed of itself. And we, the Patriots USA, stands ready to take them on in this fight. I know it seems like a David and Goliath battle because we're not believe- someone that has... You know, we're not an organization that has hundreds of millions of dollars. Like some of these, some of these far um, radical progressive yes. organizations, yeah. and I'm not going to name them right now, yeah. but some of them have litigation budgets as much as a hundred million dollars just for their litigation. I mean, because budget. there's an agenda. If George Soros is behind it, there is and an Bill agenda. Gates and everything out. Bill Gates and-, and George Soros are funding these organizations, and and this is what I'm telling you: they have all the money in the world. The people on the other side who. By the other side, I don't mean political aisle, because trust me, right. there's just as much corruption in one party as the yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, okay? totally. Um, but what I mean is people who are anti-liberty, people who are pro-tyranny, people who want to tear down yeah. and tear up the Constitution. And they get those, the media coverage. Those people, not only do they get media coverage, they're getting funded to the tune of not only millions, but billions of dollars. Our organization, by contrast, who's standing up for individual rights and liberties and the Constitution, American values, we're getting censored. We're getting kicked off of 
Facebook. Uh, we can't do Facebook ads anymore, they told us last week. We can't. We have lifetime bans. Not only we, the Patriots USA, but Don and I personally, because of the work that we do, PayPal and Venmo, lifetime ban. We can never do business. Wow. We, I can't, wow. This is why you don't see a PayPal or Venmo option anymore wow. on our website. They they forced us to take it down and For said, what? you like, can't what do this. They won't tell us the reason, but <gasps> interestingly, it came within just days of these Supreme Court decisions being released that we supported. We support pro-life causes. We support the Second Amendment. We support religious liberty. All of the things that we stand for, they canceled us immediately after those decisions. They were in such I believe this is my personal opinion because I don't have the evidence yet. That'll come out in discovery once we sue them, which is uh, excellent. On, oh my gosh, give me horizon. I was seriously damaged by deplatforming too, and I've waited for. We want to take do. on big tech. We Good. have lawsuits in the works. Great. Let me tell you, but but <laughs> this is just incredible. They wouldn't tell us, but my personal theory is they were so outraged at those decisions. They said any conservative organization that's getting any significant wow. amount of funding from us, we're shutting them down. And again, by conservative, I don't mean politically conservative. I was going to say like – That's a buzzword. When you yeah. say conservative now, that means you're someone who supports the Constitution, who raises an American flag, who believes in America and American values, America first, things like that. That makes you a bigot a racist, uh, <laughs> a, a hate monger. That's what they call us because all these right. new companies have come out with new terms of use. Look at it. Look at Microsoft. Look at Google. Look at Facebook. Look at, um, you know, all of these companies. They have, we've updated our terms of use. You'll get an email. And in there, you drill in. What's the updated section? Anybody who uses this service for things, for promoting hate speech or promoting racism or bigotry, they're going to define our case against the Boston public schools, for instance, as yeah. bigotry. Why? Because we're standing up for Brian Ruka, who's the father of an 11-year-old fifth-grade student who he wants his son to be opted out of transgender curriculum. This fifth grader, this 11-year-old, they forced him in English class as supposedly a reading comprehension. This is the Boston public schools in Dorchester. Reading comprehension assignment to read a story called The Gender Reveal, in which a 13-year-old boy comes out at his birthday party as non-binary, okay? And all of a sudden, he gets applauded and he gets celebrated and there's a big party for him. Like he's, a, he, like as Brian says, like, like he's just won the Super Bowl. Like he's Tom Brady, just won the Super Bowl, okay? That's, that's what they wanted him to read. Brian said, listen, my family doesn't believe in this. We have a religious objection to this. We don't want our son reading this. And they denied it. They said, sorry, sir, you cannot opt out of this curriculum. This is a huge precedent setting case, Monica. I'll tell you why. This is a huge case because if we win this victory in federal court, even if asked to go all the way to the United States Supreme Court, we need a victory in the books that says every parent has the right to opt out of that. And this could change common core even because what, what their defense is, is, oh, well, this is just part of the textbooks. This is part of the curriculum now for Common Core because it's written into everything. Even the math lessons have transgender stuff. You saw Yeah, oh, I used to say that all the time when I first was trying to understand the problem with Common Core. I remember I was like, it doesn't have supposedly content. So what it says is, this is what, how they do it. And I remember discovering it right away. Uh, it said, Obama was the greatest president ever. Parse this sentence. And it was an English, it was an English thing. But I have right. a few things to say before you go on. 
Um, the thing about the the gender reveal, trans gender thing at 11 years old and stuff, they uh, have two things about that. One is I sent my kids to a Catholic school, very small Catholic school, which um, for the most part really was great. It was absolutely great for them. I uh, was really put off when my third grader came home telling me about abortion because in the Catholic school, this very small Catholic school, they were extremely anti-abortion. They always, you know, did their marches on the Capitol. My mother took me down when I was eight years old on January 22nd, every year, Roe versus Wade, totally fine. However, it begs these questions and little, or it brings up these questions in little kids heads. Like, how do you get a baby if you don't pray for it? Why does God give, you know, like I had to deal with this stuff at an age that I was not comfortable with at all. And so I'm just pointing out, I really don't actually think it's about the, the content or the policy behind that content. It, I've seen kids who have caught a snippet of, um, actual sex on like a video, a YouTube video or whatever. I, I know a kid who basically I think had a psychotic break at nine years old, seeing some raunchy sex thing, um, because it's just so easy to get, it's completely inappropriate in my opinion to bring up sophisticated sexual concepts to uh, pre-adolescence at the very least. So for me, I don't like it at all because I just think it's developmentally inappropriate. And anyone who feels that way, uh, it's not going to be about, I never met anybody ever who had that problem with the abortion issue. It's never going to be coming at it from this way. It's going to be coming at it from the other way because that's where the more extreme stuff is coming. And then, like you said, they can then take a reaction to something extreme and inappropriate without actually judging the policy and calling that, then you get to label that hate. And then Facebook and Apple and stuff can say, you're a hater. Would I be a hater if I said, I don't want my kids being taught anti-abortion stuff where at the age of eight, would that make me a hater? Definitely not. They don't care about that, you know? So by coupling the inappropriate uh, developmental stuff with a specific side of the policy, it makes everything very polarized and what the objectors are all on the one side of the political spectrum and the proponents are all on the other side of the political spectrum. And then you get to confuse the issue and call the antis haters. When if the roles were flipped, the people who were in favor of it would be the haters or the people who were against educating kids against abortion in third grade would be the haters. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Every listen, the bottom line is whatever it is, whether it's a lesson about abortion or whether it's a lesson about transgender ideology or critical race theory. We have a case against Guilford Public Schools in Connecticut about critical race theory. That's already been funded, but uh, I can go on and on and on. Parents should have the right to opt out of this stuff. We stand very strongly, not only for religious freedom, medical freedom, parental rights, is on our list of things that we defend. So it's very, very important that parents have the right to guide and to ultimately have the final say over their children's education. I want to make another point about the, and then I want to get back to the vaccine thing for a particular reason, but like the critical race theory, I've, uh, since we're talking about abortion, I have noticed when I, I read some primary sources, contemporary literature about slavery, from back in the day, um, that they use very much the same language for indigenous people, for colonizing lands that were already occupied, for bringing over slaves from Africa or other places, as they use for abortion. These are um, 
entities that are not fully human. They don't have souls. They're not, you don't have to treat them as fellow human beings. So they use that language. They're not like fully human beings. And then also that, that to, to respect their rights as equals would stand in the way of progress, you know, like women's rights and stuff like that. So like the critical race theory stuff, uh, I'm fine with bringing out uh, the history of colonization, of slavery, of um, stealing property, of having a double standard about property rights, of um, of race and gender and property and uh, economics and ideology and Greek history and everything. Let's talk about everything. But what you want to do is bring it in from a, a point of view of understanding a deeper truth and not just pull, pushing a one-sided policy all the time. Like, that's the problem with all of this stuff. And then again, because it's a one-sided policy with an agenda, if you object to it, you're always on the other side of the political spectrum, and they characterize it as being uh, racist or sexist or whatever. And it's absolutely uh, my objection to some of these um, trends especially in young kids and education really have nothing to do with, uh, you know, my own identity. It's a hundred percent about what's appropriate and what's true and how they, so I, I think I don't want any of that stuff in there because we're not deciding that. And the, the, the schools, the parents, the teachers should have, they're on the ground. They should have full control over all of that or, or opt out of paying for it opt out of paying for public schools with their taxes, which is not happening anytime soon. Right, right. Well, there there have to be options that per, that give the parents back the control over their child's education. You know, there, there used to be this principle that parents uh, have the, the right to educate their children. We talk about that lot, a lot in our religious exemption lawsuit. You said you want to get back to vaccines. We talk about that in our religious exemption lawsuit. Um, we also have a religious exemption uh, lawsuit for the New York State healthcare workers, which is in federal court as well. We've already been to the Supreme Court. Unfortunately, they didn't grant the emergency injunction that we wanted last year, but it did come back. So the case is still active and we can hopefully get it back up to the high court on the merits. Um, don't be discouraged, by the way. A lot of people are discouraged by the fact that the Supreme Court has declined to grant review of these emergency injunction requests. There's a distinction between hearing a case on an emergency injunction and hearing it on the merits. And I just want to talk about that for just a, a moment because I think a lot of people get discouraged and say, well, the court's not with us. I even have a very well-respected conservative friend who's got his own show and I've been on his show before. And he called me uh, just last week or I was on the phone with him just last week and he was really depressed about the court not reviewing these issues more. And I, I think part of the, the, the problem is that people don't realize there's a great distinction between taking a case on the merits, which is the actual case, and just an emergency injunction. So the court is very, very hesitant to take up cases on emergency injunctions because um, what that basically does is basically decides the case in a way before it's had a chance to be heard on the merits, before there's been full discovery, before both sides have been allowed to present their cases. So very often they'll deny it, even if in the back of their mind they agree with the petitioners, the people who are actually filing, they won't approve that because they don't want a precedent set that we're deciding decisions before we're making decisions on cases before we've really let the case play out in the court of hmm. law through due process and everything. People okay. lose that and say, well, the court's against us on, on vaccines thing. Every one of these vaccine cases right. that's come up on an emergency injunction, they've denied. That's not because they're okay. against us. 
look, if you think they're against religious liberty, why did they just rule in favor of that high school football coach? Why did they rule in favor of churches, which was an emergency injunction? It was a rare case that they did, but they under they love religious liberty so much. Why did they rule during the lockdowns in 2020 in favor of churches that were yeah. being shut down? Cuomo, they ruled against Cuomo, they ruled against Gavin Newsom, and they ruled for churches, including the Roman Catholic Archdiocese um, in, in Brooklyn, New York. So um, we really need to be patient and let this process play out. I do believe we're going to get some victories in these vaccine cases at the Supreme Court level. Um, I do believe our cases have uh, as good a chance as any, if not the best chance. I'll come right out and say it um, because we have an excellent legal team and we are poised to get these cases to the United States Supreme Court and set nationwide precedent. Do you think there's a chance, because I think about this with the Cano case, is that uh now, so I live in LA, and I don't know if they if they sprayed a bunch of bioweapon all over, but people are getting like BA245, whatever. People are getting sick. I, I was sick as a dog a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you know, as usual, I got it from a vaccinated person, <laughs> and yeah. there's just no difference at all. Like I um I know other, I know somebody who's been vaccinated at the maximum amount of times, like four or five times, just got the same bout of illness that I got and I'm unvaccinated. So, well, I'm not unvaccinated. I've got a smallpox scar on my arm. I've gotten vaccines, but I haven't gotten this one and I'm never getting a vaccine again uh, with, with consent anyway. But um, so at a certain point, do the courts just say, well, the vaccine production cannot keep up with the variants. So this is moot. No, and then people just remove the vaccine mandates uh, from contention so that you can't get this case litigated. Like, I can't believe they're still doing this to the to the soldiers. Like, Kano, Kano can't just they would they are still insisting that he get the jab. Like, that's yes. for what? Yeah, for I mean, what? Isn't it, isn't what it scientific on, like, evidence um, is there that it works? Even ever, Pfizer, this is even, even Pfizer's own data right. shows that it's only twelve percent effective and only for a short amount of time. Right, and then and also they're saying that it changes with the variants. So if they can, right. it's just like the flu I mean, shot. They're not taking the mandates away, which probably is you're right. A foolish, spin. it's a foolish legal move. But even if they do, our religious exemption in schools case will still will not be moved because there's right. no way they're taking that away. They've right. had school mandates on yeah, the books for decades. Good. They're not yeah. taking away the school mandates. And if right. we get the United States Supreme Court to say that you ha- uh, the government, the state, yeah. whether it be a local school district or the state of Connecticut or whatever, yeah. cannot force someone to have a shot without allowing a religious exemption, that would yes. apply across the board, I believe, even beyond the school setting. I believe that would imply uh, apply to other uh, settings uh, where the state is in control, whether the state or local, municipal, yeah. or federal government is your employer, whether it's um, in some kind of public setting or public building, a federal building, I believe it would start applying everywhere because if they're saying the government doesn't have the right not to allow you to opt out based on religion, well, then wouldn't that apply everywhere, not just in government schools? Yes, I believe it would. So I believe this case is even more far-reaching than just school children. So this is a this is a really important case to watch. Um, we have updates whenever, don't be dismayed if you don't see an update for why people sometimes it's like two months go by. I haven't heard anything about the case. Well, the wheels of justice move slowly. 
if you look That's at the court good. docket and you follow it, you'll see that it hasn't been scheduled for another hearing yet. So I can't give you an update if there's not a, a hearing yeah. scheduled yet. As soon as there's a hearing scheduled, we tell people. As soon as a decision comes out, that day we send an email out and blast it on social media. You will get an update if you follow us. Here's my pitch for following us too. It's not just about money. Follow us on our email list. Subscribe to our email list at wethepatriotsusa.org as a subscribe tab. You can sign up. Are you going to send me 10 emails a day? Because I'll give you money, no. but I'm not sure I'm giving the, you my email the most, address. The most, our average, honestly, is about three a week. Oh, that's all right. I can take that. Uh, okay. We don't even send one every day. Yeah. I might all actually right? want to hear it from you. So subscribe to our email list. And then, just as importantly, because we're getting kicked off all these other social media platforms, follow us on Telegram. We have a phenomenal Telegram channel with news and updates, not only about our organization, but from all over the country and the world, following everything that's going on with this agenda uh, from, from a scientific standpoint, from, um, you know, obviously the, the, what the globalists are doing and the societal standpoint, all of the true uncensored breaking news you can find on there. So my, my amazing business partner, Don, manages that channel. And I would strongly, strongly, strongly suggest that um, everybody subscribe to us on Telegram. It's we the Patriots dot, uh, we the Patriots USA, or if you're in a browser, t.me forward slash we the Patriots yeah. USA. Yeah. So, okay. Um, if you want to give us any more meaty stuff, I'm happy to hear it. But I also want you to kind of reiterate to people how important it is. And for me, I have to say, I say this, I, I, I've said this all the time. Like I, I've spent 10 years now just trying to do what I'm good at, which is talk to people, try to like get to the bottom of things. I do some research and I um, had some training on radio. So I can, I feel like I can present things in an, an interesting way, easy to understand way. And I really do it even though, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but I have a JD MBA from Stanford. Like I could get a job, <laughs> I, you know, but I don't because I feel like I, um, I'm worried about the world and I would like to preserve this country. I would like to, I feel like sometimes I think that this whole battle against tyranny is just a, a, a millennia old exercise in kicking the can that it's just, it's never going to be a battle. That's one. It's a battle that you just have to just put your shoulder against the, you know, the wall and keep the, keep the walls from closing in on you. And that's what we have to do. And we have to do it all the time. So what I do, I just, I always wonder like, why am I even doing this? Um, you know, what good am I doing? And a, I like to impart principles to people. I like to educate them on the real meaning behind the current events. But I've often said what I really, my real hope is Maybe there's a budding Ron Paul out there. Maybe there's a, a lawyer like Brian Festa who can go and actually make a difference. Because I'm also not like a huge fan of, you know, starting a political party or running for office or, um, you know, or, or starting an organization that can be infiltrated, you know, it, that you just, it doesn't work. But if you, we can watch what you're doing, you're taking these cases, we can watch where the money goes, we can see what you're fighting for. There are individuals who benefit from it. There are individuals who are, are executing it. And I feel like what, if I, if what I'm doing has any value at all, it's to, it's to either inspire people like you or to get people like you support or to raise awareness to what you're doing. And to me, it's very rare for me to, to really find something actionable that gives me profound hope. 
Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, we we greatly appreciate your support, of course, Monica, and the support of your your listeners. You have some amazing, uh, dedicated listeners. I remember the last time I was on yes. your show, uh, we had a lot of people reached out. I heard yeah, you Yeah, because Monica, I never uh, asked for anything. Very rarely they, am I they, like the but, white but, club. But, but, but it wasn't even just to donate. It was to tell you, listen, I heard what you said. Oh, you know, great. I followed you. I, I, I listened to Monica. You have some very loyal people that listen to you every yeah. week. We've been together <laughs> a long time. Yeah, and they, they <laughs> love you. And I see why they love you. Every time I'm on Thank this you. show or every time I hear you okay. speak or I'm on, on Union of the Unwanted with you yes, or anything, I, 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 I see your intelligence and your passion more so come through. You, you have such incredible passion for what you do. You're dedicated to this. And so I'm really happy uh, to know you and to be connected. And you will be with us on the Vaccine oh, Safety yes, Awareness yes. Marathon. Let me, I would be remiss if I didn't mention our third annual Vaccine Safety, I can't believe it's been yes. three years now, Vaccine Safety Awareness Marathon. Um, actually, it's been around longer than our company has, uh, our organization has. Um, we started that uh, back in 2000 and um, well, actually, no, it was 2020. So this is the third one because it's 2022. So it, it was right, right after, after we you were born. It was yeah. right after we started. So yes. 2020, 2021 and now 2022, September 10th and 11th this year, a, a promo commercial will be coming out soon. But this is part of our mission as well is to educate people. Right. We don't just litigate. We also educate. OK. And so we want to knowledge is power, right? You know that, of course. Scientia as potentia. That's your whole thing, right? Yes. Exactly. So absolutely. I'll um, be there Saturday night, September Yes, 10th. you will be there Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern. Yes. If anyone wants to catch Monica. How do we tune the whole in live? Marathon. Don't just watch Monica. No, watch of course, all of, of course. But watch. how do people tune in live to that? So it's, we, we, like you, we use a platform called StreamYard. Okay. Yes. And we stream live. We're going to be streaming live, not only to, of course, our, the big tech platforms that we do still have pages on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube won't let us anymore. Yeah, they Rumble, won't. Let. Hopefully we'll be on our Rumble, Rumble channel. We're working out the technicalities of that, but we hopefully we will be on our, what's that? Do you, are you on Rockfin? Do you want to, you to, maybe we can get you on the union of the unwanted Rockfin channel or my own? Yeah, maybe we can broadcast to that channel as well. I'll talk to you about that offline, but we will be advertising it. When the commercial comes out, it'll tell you exactly where you can watch it, but definitely you'll be able to get a Facebook, Twitter, and then our Rumble. But then even after it's live, we take all of the videos and we put them up on our website. So you have all of the edited, uh, well, not edited, they're just edited in the sense that each one is cut out so you can watch them individually uh, with its own title and everything. But um, But other than that, they're not really edited. But you will get all of the full videos on our website afterwards, but please watch it live because it's yeah. also a fundraiser. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like the, the idea that it came to me during an interview I was doing a few years ago. And I said, Oh man, this interview is going way longer. Maybe we should just sometimes just, just, <laughs> just, just let's just go for 24 hours. Sometimes I said it during the interview as a joke with Dr. <gasps> James Meehan was on there yeah, and on. someone else was on there. I think um, I can't remember who was on that particular show. Uh, maybe Dr. Aaron Lewis, I think, was on there. There were a couple, a couple of of, of great guests, and we just we would go we went like two hours, two and a half hours, it was supposed to be like a one hour interview. <laughs> and I said, let's just do this for twenty four hours sometime, <laughs> and um, and then it, that's how it was born, a la Jerry Lewis. Yeah, so we do it as I remember like, that. The, the first one was on Labor Day weekend, just like Jerry used to do, and and we said we're going to go twenty four hours. And we're going to do it as a fundraiser too, but it's a dual fundraiser. So any organization, like for instance, we had Dell Bigtreon in the past. We've oh, had nice. Dr. Simone Gold. We'll nice. put up their organizations online with a 
with a um, a link for people yeah. to go and donate to their organizations as well when we're interviewing guests that have things to promote. So it's a yeah. joint fundraiser. Yep. This year, we have some great guests, including Dr. Uh, Peter McCullough, Dr. Wow. Pierre Corey. We have, Ooh, of course, wow. the amazing Monica Perez. <laughs> we have um, Steve Dace from The Blaze. Yes, going to be fantastic. one of our guests. Uh, we have Zen Honeycutt. You might know her from Moms Across America. She founded that. She's an author as well. Um, has some great books. So you should uh, absolutely tune in. The full list of marathon guests will will be out. But this is going to be an amazing event. We believe our best year ever. Um, we're still confirming a couple of spots, but we have almost every spot filled. Um, that's always the biggest challenge is getting everyone confirmed for a yeah, spot. 24 hours. Um, yeah. Coordinating everybody's schedules. And I take that on myself. I do most of the hosting, although my business partner um, is going to be helping me quite a bit this year as she did last year. And we're also going to have some guest hosts uh, including our our friend um, uh, Jen from Connecticut, who originally uh, follow, uh, she's a local radio host and originally founded the Connecticut Freedom Alliance with us years ago, and Taryn Gregson, our podcast host of our amazing We the Patriots USA podcast called Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson. Yeah. She is going to be doing some guest hosting as well. So we have all hands on deck this year to get us through <laughs> these twenty four hours. It's yeah. twenty four hours of live, uncut. Uh, uncensored broadcasting with leaders, voices from out, from throughout the world, whether it be doctors, scientists, lawyers, podcast hosts, activists, authors, everyone from around the world, and literally from around the world. Because in those overnight East Coast hours, I've yes. got to get. I've got people <laughs> from Europe, from the Middle East coming in, so it's going to be a yeah. great event. Please tune in to September 10th and 11th, and you'll find more information at wethepatriotsusa.org. So as it gets closer, you'll see that promo commercial come out, but you can also just check back on our website and it'll have all the links and everywhere where you can watch it. Right. I'm super uh, complimented that you included me and I'm really looking forward to it. I'll keep people informed as to that. After, well, as soon as we hang up, which will be like two minutes, I am going to sign up as a monthly subscriber. You will be in a very small group of people I subscribe to monthly, and it'll probably be the largest number. And also, I'm going to make a larger contribution to the Cano Fund. And if if that, you're just going to keep collecting money until you can take that case yeah, and and I would say, as far as I'm concerned, if you needed to repurpose the money to somebody else who needed it sooner, I'd be fine with that. So, uh, well, God and- bless you. I want to say something about that because you did ask. Well, what if we don't hit a goal? Yeah. Or what if we? What if we're fundraising? As you know, I guess could happen, and so, and he changes his mind and says, "Listen, or I like want- someone drops the case, like Alyssa, or or let's say let's say not even change the mind. Let's say the Department of Defense changes their mind and gives him an opt out before we That'd even be get great. to file it." That would be great. But what would we do with that oh, money? I'm going to yeah. tell you what we would do with that money. 100% of any money we collect in donations goes right back to the organization. I have a line out the door and around the corner of people that need help. Yeah. Many of them are transplant p- patients. And I want to say yeah. one more thing about that before we hang up. Uh, people that are in critical need of help that need their lawsuits funded too. Plus, we also have organizational needs. Obviously, I do this as my full-time job now. We need a staff, really, to manage this national Absolutely. litigation docket. Yeah. We are running a large national nonprofit yeah. on a two-string budget. We That's not sustainable. We do need staff. So money does have to go back in so we can actually run it because you need people actually running this. You can't just, this, this stuff just doesn't happen by itself. These lawsuits yeah. we get, 
Do you, do you understand the vetting process I have to go through with intake, with potential clients that we want to refer, connecting them with an attorney, a fundraising for them, doing all the PR? I mean, there's an incredible amount of, of hours that go into this. And that does, obviously, people need to make a living. I don't have any other job now. This is all I do. I used to have another job and just did this part-time as a volunteer when I started it. But I realized I've got to give this my full attention. Wow. So, so you had to move I, out of Connecticut. That's for I sure. I'm not paying those this. bills. I do this full time. I give my full yes. undivided attention during my work days and, and nights and wow. weekends very often to yeah. be the Patriots USA. But we really, really, we need a, a larger staff supporting yeah, us. So sure. it, it goes to all those things. So in other words, it's not going to any individual person personally. You know, I do have a set salary that I take and that's all yeah. I get. So you whether we take in a million dollars in a month or just yeah. a, a right. thousand dollars in yes, a month. Yes, 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 right. I get the same. Right. Okay, Good. so it's not making yeah. me rich. I want to help more people. I want to take on more lawsuits. That's mm-hmm. what the money ultimately would go to. Um, and we do have a disclaimer about that on the website. So we're transparent about that. It Good. says right, right. there, um, all donations are the ultimate discretion. Somebody's going to save that. the world, Brian. Yeah, well, you know, but we want to do it the right way and we do it yeah, on the yeah. up and up. And even I'm though you, you don't believe necessarily in all of the systems we have in place, we comply with all of the IRS regulations because you have uh, to. we want to stay in business. You absolutely have to. And you, we must, we must, we've got, even if Lysander Spooner is right and the Constitution is one thing or the other, uh, this is the deal that we are stuck living by. We have to live by this deal. And the people who got us into this in the first place, whether they were sold a bill of goods or they made a good deal, the fact is the meeting of the minds was that bill of rights and the processes that they secure us against government overreach. And I... I, I went to law school and I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I don't even know how uh, how I would take the first step to even asserting my rights. I'm not even sure I know 100 um, percent the letter of the law of what my rights are. And we well, really well, need because they don't teach you that after. in law school. No, no, no. They teach you policies. <laughs> you have to actually learn the Constitution. And yeah. listen, oh, I learned. I learned way more after it, only just absolutely, by reading. Absolutely, absolutely, and and listen, that's great that you have a pocket right there, always at your side. There's two oh, things so you many. need: you need first the Bible and the Constitution. Yeah, I always have it, side. and I just read it. It's so easy to understand. Right, exactly. Well, well, let me say, you know, David Oldham, who's another one of our guests, he has a, a, a an organization out of Oklahoma called Constitutional Grounds. This guy is a self taught scholar, but he knows the Constitution probably right. better than any law professor I ever had. He knows it backwards and front. He's going to be our guest as well on Saturday, September 10th during the marathon. Oh, great. He's self-taught. This guy's yeah. an electrical en- He's an electrical engineer. Yeah, because he, just- he didn't... His mind didn't get full of all the crap that they try to teach you in right. law school. He said, Holy listen, this, this can't be right. This, right. This, there's it's some not. government around me. This, let right. me see if this is actually in the Constitution. So he started studying yeah. it and found out, guess what? It's not. It's not in the Constitution. Yeah. It's not in the Federalist Papers. It's not in any of the founding documents we have. Uh, all right. of this bureaucracy and everything and all of these rules and regulations. So he's like, what's going on here? He's brilliant. So please follow him at constitutionalgrounds.com. Uh, the last thing I want to say, those yeah. transplant cases are so important. Even if you never need an organ transplant, even if one of your loved ones never needs an organ transplant, what they are trying to create is a system of medical tyranny because we know that's what it is. They are trying to create a system of medical tyranny that says – you, it is perfectly legal for you to be denied a medical treatment of any kind just for refusing a shot. So if you need cancer surgery someday, if you need 
um, dialysis someday, if you need insulin treatments, anything you need, uh, even prescriptions maybe someday, anything you need, heart surgery, at some point, unfortunately, because most of America is so unhealthy and our environment is so toxic, no matter how healthy we try to live, at some point we're going to probably need medical intervention. They are saying they have the right to deny that to you just because you refuse the COVID shot or maybe the fifth booster or something. A kidney transplant, I mean, there can be controversy about other kinds of transplants, but a kidney transplant is voluntary all the way around. Like people are actually stepping in to keep arm's length transactions from happening. Right, and heart transplant too. There was a baby at Vanderbilt University. Luckily, I I heard they got the doctors to back down, but a baby was being denied a heart transplant because of not getting the shot. Okay, this is so, and I've heard other heart transplant patients too being taken off the list or not allowed on the list. This is criminal, but but it goes so far beyond this because if we don't get a precedent established saying that a hospital is not allowed or a doctor is not allowed to deny life-saving treatment just for refusing the shot, then all of us are going to be faced with a very, very scary choice someday where we're going to say, if we get the shot, we're probably going to die, right? Uh, Or we're going to violate our deeply held religious beliefs and have to answer to the Almighty. But if we don't get the shot, we're probably going to die, because we're not going to get this life-saving surgery that we need. And it's going to be it's going to be a no-win situation. I don't want to find myself or any of you in that situation ever. So please, please, please support these transplant lawsuits. We're going to have probably more coming if we can get more funding because I have more people that have reached out already and I'm, I'm not able to help them right now. I just I can't fund every lawsuit right. on, on just a few hundred thousand dollars. It's, it's, when you add up 50 to 100,000 per lawsuit and you multiply that yeah. times dozens of lawsuits, that Even adds up 10. very quickly to millions of dollars. Yeah. If I don't have that, we're not taking on these lawsuits. It's plain and simple. And some of them you have to move quickly. We do. We do. We get people that say they're an end stage renal disease or they're an end stage, you know, heart disease or something. If I don't get a transplant within the next, you know, six months, I'm probably going to be dead, you know, or yeah. a year or whatever it is. Yeah. We don't. And, and you know how long litigation takes to play out. So we have to file those immediately. In fact, in the case of Alyssa Campo, I'll just reveal a little secret here that I don't think I've revealed on, on air, but the case is withdrawn now. So I think I can. We put up our own donor funds for that lawsuit before we ever raised a penny. We committed the full, it was $55,000 when we included wow. local counsel. We, we wrote a check. We, well, it was yeah. a wire, but whatever it is. Right. We, we paid $55,000 up front before you know, we ever raised a penny because wow. that case was so urgent to get that girl help. We couldn't right. wait. And um, that's and when sure, you could I'm actually sure our get. donors don't mind that we use their money for that. Well, um, <laughs> they, they're, yeah, they're going to get it right. They're donating. But that's why we kept fundraising though, is to yes. replenish that yes. so we, because, because we, we fronted the money, but we still yes. need to fund those out of the general fund. Yeah. We can't, we can't just take all this money out of our very limited general funds and not get any of it back. And you those know, won't last. Those are the suits that because they move quickly, they can get you that precedent and they have much broader applications. So it is you, you have to have your war chest. You have to be ready to move. You have to be ready to take cases that are going to go all the way, going to get the precedents. I'm fully in support. And I um, and there's someone listening, Monica. I don't want to interrupt, but I'm going to interrupt. OK, there, there's someone listening in your audience. Okay, and I don't know if they're listening right now, if they'll listen a month from now or whenever they're going to hear this. But there's someone listening that has the means to provide us with major funding if they wanted to, um, to the tune of we could be funded for probably for a decade if they wanted to. Okay, (laughs) now I'm not saying that 
You need we're a whale. In, you need listen, a whale. Listen, we don't. We're not in any way entitled to anything. I don't believe in entitlement. All right. So if if this person is even considering it for a moment, but wants to talk to us, we would be more than happy to have a personal conversation right. or even a face to face meeting. We yes. have flown places. I have personally flown across the country to meet with a potential donor. Um, we are willing to sit down and we are an open book to show you um, our financials, where the money goes, what we do with it. Um, we're willing to have that conversation privately with a prospective donor. Um, you know, we have to be careful too. There may be some vetting on our p- part. Just, just yeah, realize. of course. There, oh, there are trolls out there who pretend they want to <laughs> totally. donate. Totally. I want to waste your time for information. and your money. So we have to be careful too. We have to yeah. do our due diligence, as I'm sure you'd want us to do if yes. you're going to be donating to us. We're not just going to, you know, hand you the keys to the kingdom without it, just because you say you're interested in giving us a million dollars. But, um, we are willing to have those conversations in those meetings, though, is what I'm saying. That's and great. you can donate privately. We have people that have donated anonymously. Uh, there are ways to do that. Uh, perfectly legal. Of course, there's no law that says you have to you know, give us your name when you give us money. Um, your name doesn't have to be entered in any database or anything like that. Um, we have our mailing address also. Some people have family foundations or trusts they give through. We have our, uh, if you go to the bottom of our homepage, we have our mailing address right there along with our tax ID number. If you go to our donate page, if you go to any of the don- donation pages and scroll to the bottom, there'll be an option to mail a check or money order. And it has our address and also our tax ID number, which I know for some of these uh, funds, donor advised funds and things like that, you have to enter the tax ID number of the charity. So it's right there on our website is where you can find that. That's awesome. That's a great thing. Uh, and the fact that you're willing to open it up to those people, I think, demonstrates to other people that it, you're on the up and up and that it's a 501c3. That means that there's certain reporting requirements. Uh, and you've been around in our circles for long enough that I think people know that you're doing it for the right reasons. And uh, I admire that you are always available for these kind of conversations. I know you're doing it just to keep that organization going. And I know it can be exhausting. And not only are you always willing and available, but you are active about it. And, I, you know, you always pop into the Union of the Unwanted just to, you know, make sure that people are aware of what you're doing. And um, I think it's critical. And I really appreciate it. You, Anytime there's a call to action, reach out to me and we'll get you back on. And I'm really, it was highly complimented that you include me on the um, vaccine marathon. I'm really excited about that. And I will tell my people when they can listen to that. And uh, I'm going to go to wethepatriotsusa.org right after we hang up and make those two different donations for different purposes. And I'll, I'm going to keep up, even going to sign up for the mailing list. Three is the well, most. Thing. I start getting four or five you a week. You won't get out. four or five. The only <laughs> time we have multiple emails in a day is if there's breaking news. Like right. let's say I sent something out in the morning, which was a, I was plan- a planned email, but then yeah. that afternoon we have a major court decision. Yes. Well, I'm not going to wait and say, well, I'll wait 24 hours. <laughs> I no, I no. got you. I want people to know right away when there's a major ruling, whether it's yeah. good or bad, because he, of course we do. We don't yeah, always yeah. Get, get victorious no, you- rulings, but then we just have to appeal them. Yes. Um, but we still have to keep our donors and our subscribers informed of what's going on with these court cases. So w- that's the only time you'll get multiple is if there's big breaking news. Otherwise, the most you'd get is, in a day is one. And usually it's an average of about three a week at okay. most. Um, so you're not going to get four or five emails a day. I hate that. Listen, I've had to <laughs> unsubscribe. 
to a lot of lists because I <sighs> my email box is so cluttered. So, I cannot. Oh I just can't deal with it anymore. I have hundreds of thousands of unread emails. I yeah. had to pay for a subscription to clean out my emails. Anyway, all right. Now we're digressing, <laughs> Brian. Okay, God thank bless you, so Monica. Much. We you, love you at We the Patriots you. USA, and we look forward to talking to you again at the marathon. Can't wait. Thanks, Brian. All right. Bye bye.